listening to the Dietitian Cafe, brought to you by New Outra, where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. My name's Harriet Smith, and I'm a registered dietitian and founder of HRS Communications. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the creator of Nutrition Social, Amanda Finch, to dive deeper into the topic of using social media as a health professional. So I'm going to hand over to Amanda, and she's going to tell us a bit more about herself. I'm Amanda, and after a successful career in a media agency, I decided to do an MSc in Global Public Health Nutrition and retrain as a nutritionist. After identifying a gap in the market, I set up Nutrition Social. I now help health professionals and nutritionists gain confidence and get their businesses on social media. Nutrition Social offers one-to-ones, social audits, content creation packages, and more. I'm a registered associate nutritionist and have helped many business owners gain more visibility online, sign more clients and gain more confidence when using their social media platforms professionally. Fantastic. We're really happy to have you with us today, Amanda. And in today's episode, we're going to be delving into using social media as a networking platform, what constitutes realistic growth for your social media platforms, and which platforms should you be investing your time in. We're also going to talk to Amanda about her rather unconventional journey to becoming a nutritionist, what her current role involves, and why she's so passionate about it. So without further ado, welcome, Amanda. And we're going to delve straight into our quick fire questions, which I'm sure many of our listeners are very familiar with by now. So first of all, Amanda, tell us something unusual that we might not know about yourself. Something you guys might not know is that I'm beginning my training to do a half Ironman um, next year. Wow, that's a no mean feat. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, we'll say that when I get over the finish line, but yeah, training has started. (laughs) Very impressive. Um, and what's your favorite breakfast? I guess this kind of relates to the Ironman. You know, what's going to be that breakfast to power you through? Yeah. So I always start my day with an Earl Grey tea. Um, and my favorite breakfast would be scrambled eggs on toast with tomatoes and mushrooms. Sounds perfect. Yeah. Dreamy. And talking of dreamy, if you were to have a celebrity dinner party, who would be your dream guest and why? This was a tricky one. I had quite a few answers, but I ended up going with Jamie Oliver. The reason being is I bet at a dinner party, he's a really good laugh and I am always in the market for some some new cooking tips. You never know, that could be a possibility. I know he's got several nutritionists working for him. So uh, yeah, maybe one day he'll be on the dietitian cafe as well. Who knows? (laughs) So Amanda, you haven't had a conventional journey to say the least in terms of becoming a nutritionist. Can you talk us through your journey in a bit more detail and perhaps begin with what inspired you to retrain as a nutritionist? Sure. So, yeah, as you say, I didn't start out my um, kind of education or, um, you know, uni courses um, to go into nutrition. Um, I actually started doing business management um, in my undergrad um, and I then went straight into working in a media agency which I really loved. Um, And I was working in many teams, ended up in the social team where I did most of my time. And I was always really interested in how social can be built um, into a business strategy, how it can perform for different clients, what performs well for different clients and how it can really drive performance and visibility for those. Um, I mean, I've always been really interested in health and fitness and I never, well, when I picked my undergrad, it was never really, 
um, something I thought I could go into career-wise. It just wasn't really, you know, part of what I thought I could do. So I did business, which I thought was broad. Um, and it was whilst I was working in media, I think I was, um, you know, as I say, working with many different clients and taking much more of a personal action. Uh, um, so I went to do my master's in global public health nutrition at Westminster. Um, and yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I knew from, from doing that, that it absolutely was the shift, um, that I, that I needed and wanted in, in my career. Brilliant. And talk us through in a bit more detail, um, your kind of transition to global public health nutrition, because that's quite a specific area to focus on. So what sparked that interest in that particular area? Sure. So um, the reason I picked the global public health nutrition is because I wasn't entirely sure what area of nutrition I wanted to go into, um, what it really was that was going to, you know, spark my interest on the course. Um, I picked it because it had such a broad um, broad range of modules and areas that we looked at. You know, we looked at overnutrition, undernutrition, diet and disease, global governance. Um, of course, there was research methods and um, things like that in there. Um, so I felt it was a really good option to give me as broad a possible, you know, outlook on all different types of nutrition and the areas I could go into. And I presume that you've used quite a few of those skills that you learned during that degree um, when you worked as a health information manager at Cancer Research. Presumably that was quite a public health focused role. Can you tell us a bit more about what, what that particular role involved and how that job came about for you? Yeah, sure. So the, the job role came around. Um, there's kind of a bit of a chain of events that led me to Cancer Research. So um, you know, as I'm sure, you know, we all know cancer research is such a huge charity. I mean, I've always been aware of it. Um, and since um, we had uh, my mum had cancer twice, she's fine now, but she had breast cancer twice. And it was always really something really close to my heart, being able to, you know, help help people, you know, explaining things to my you know, mum sometimes when perhaps, um, you know, information you get at the hospital or how I could try and help make her feel better help her eat better while she had, she was in treatment. Um, and it was always something really close to my heart. And then once I did my, uh, MSC, um, I actually focused my dissertation on, uh, nutrition, uh, information that is out there for cancer care. So I, uh, I, sorry, my words, um, I focused mostly in the nutrition for bowel cancer and what information, um, patients could get and what type of information from a nutritional point of view that was. Um, so it was only really then that I realized that health information was actually an area I could actually work in. Um, so then I went, uh, I went looking around and by chance and by pure luck, there was a role at cancer research that I applied for. I actually applied a couple of times for it. Um, and yeah, ended up getting the manager role. And yeah, I have to say it was a job I absolutely, I loved, um, loved the role. Um, so broad, so many things involved in that, in that, um, in that role. So what we did, uh, what we do is uh, we look at the uh, health information for, um, well, the health information between risk diagnosis um, and after diagnosis, that would be another team. So we looked at everything um, that anyone could do to reduce their risk of cancer. Uh, we had some main topic areas such as diet and obesity, which are the ones I looked after. Um, and of course, other areas such as smoking, um, smoking, air pollution, um, 
you know, all the other big areas that people, um, you know, that can affect people's risk of cancer. Um, so with, with that role um, came a lot of uh, contact with other teams. So I was responsible for relationships with the fundraising and marketing team, um, with the roadshow team. You might have seen the, you know, CRUK uh, roadshow on the road throughout the UK. Um, so any questions, resources, all those sorts of things, um, that would be um, kind of all um, liaised through me and updated and stuff like that. Um, another part of the role as well, which was challenging yet really interesting, was uh, being media trained. So being able to do interviews and written comments, journal uh, journalist steers um, to make sure their stories were evidence based and any sort of uh, Q&A that they might have on the particular study they were looking at. Um, so, yeah, it was hugely broad, but really, really rewarding and, and really good fun. That sounds like a very varied role and um, it'll be really interesting to hear a bit more about the media training later on when we go on to talk about social media, uh, which is, of course, one of your um, main sort of specialist areas in your freelance business. So I understand that you're soon to be moving across the pond and you're going to transition to fully freelance, which is a very exciting venture for anybody. So huge congratulations for making that decision. What inspired you to, to move across the pond? So the move to Australia um, was, you know, one, uh, of course, was a huge decision. Um, it was actually my fiance got a job opportunity uh, with his current role. Um, and it was one that we just couldn't and didn't want to turn down, you know, with, with COVID over the last few years. And of course, nobody being able to travel and do that sort of thing. Um, we thought, why not jump in and see what, you know, see what happens so yeah very excited we're moving in mid-june so it's coming up quite quickly now gosh all hands on deck i imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> very exciting so for those who aren't familiar with your fairly new business nutrition social can you talk us through what it is and, and what you aim to achieve through it of course so nutrition social um is a company i set up um at the beginning of lockdown just um six months or so after I graduated from my MSc. Um, so Nutrition Social helps nutritionists, dietitians, and um, health professionals get on social media, understand the platforms, gain confidence, um, to, you know, to produce content and gain more visibility and ultimately gain more clients through social. Um, as I mentioned, uh, what led me to um, create Nutrition Social was whilst I was doing the master's um, really starting to look more at media marketing that whole environment that I was very used to through a much more nutrition lens um, and I was realizing whilst on the course that there were um, many people who don't have that background and you know aren't necessarily trained or or have looked into business marketing social media before um, and it was a real gap where I felt that my past knowledge um, you know and career um, could really you know plug that gap um, so yeah, that's what led me to create Nutrition Social and it's been um, a really great ride the last 18 months or so. Um, yeah, and I'm really loving it. Sounds brilliant. And in terms of actually applying your business background, how is that kind of directly feeding into the work that you're doing today? For example, are you helping your clients to create their own marketing strategies? What, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the business background definitely has helped. 
um, you know, it gave me confidence uh, to start Nutrition Social because it's, you know, the foundation of how I'm, you know, developing and growing my business. Um, and as you say, it absolutely pulls into the information and, you know, things I'm discussing with clients about their social and business strategy and how social really fits into that. Um, you know, of course, social is just a smaller part of an overall business strategy. Um, and, you know, being able to streamline, um, gain confidence and really target the right people on social can be such a such a great opportunity for people. Um, and as I say, it's just not taught on our master's or in our undergrad courses for nutrition and really. Um, so, yeah, I really, really hope that it's helping people plug the gap in areas that we're just not taught about on, on nutrition courses. You're completely right. There's such a gap in the training that we receive as nutritionists and dietitians. And I, for one, as a business owner myself, really felt that gap when I created HRS and have had to learn so much of these business skills on the job or from surrounding yourselves by people that are more knowledgeable than you in those areas. Um, do you think that education for nutrition professionals will change in the future? Do you think that we'll see more of an emphasis on business skills within the curriculum? I really do think it has a part in the curriculum and I would hope that it does, um, you know, get put into the curriculum more. I think it's an area as more and more people perhaps, you know, finish their degrees and perhaps do go freelance or um, do more and more, um, you know, content creation and business online. Um, I think it'd be absolutely fantastic to have more modules and or at least module a module on um you know business business foundation business basics how to um how to use online to our advantage um in a in an industry where really a lot of people think it's face-to-face one-to-one there is so much more you know to being a nutritionist or health professional these days and so many more avenues to um to market yourself and to get clients Definitely. And I think, um, correct me if if I'm wrong, but certainly in the US, we see some really good examples of nutrition professionals kind of leading the way with being a bit more innovative with their business structure, whether that's creating an online course, for example, um, whether that's building a team around you or creating content that you subscribe to. Uh, I have seen a few UK professionals following suit, and I'm sure you work with some of these these people themselves. Um, But it's very interesting to see how the country's differ between them is that something that you've observed as well yeah I think I think it's absolutely um, absolutely right there as you say there are some huge um, um, followings out there um, for people who are health trained or some that aren't as health trained but um, yeah I'm absolutely loving at the moment especially with COVID with people more people being online seeing um, health professionals and nutritionists you know gain following putting more evidence-based information out there um, and just cutting through some of the you know health nonsense and misinformation that there is um, out there you know aside from uh, promoting their business and you know um, and all of those things I think it's just so great to have more um, evidence-based information out there. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And something I'm curious to get your thoughts on is um, if you are a nutrition professional who perhaps didn't have any um, experience, previous work experience in the business uh, area and you didn't get any training during your degree, are there any particular courses? I mean, do, do you think that people need to go off and do an MBA, for example, or are these skills that you can learn through perhaps working with someone like yourself or perhaps doing some kind of online course? What, what are your thoughts on that? 
I would say it would depend on uh, what the skills that person are looking for. Um, you know, if you're looking for a much more fully rounded uh, business, you know, end to end kind of training and, and kind of really in detail for all of those areas, um, then perhaps, you know, some additional training, whether it be an MBA or a short course or something like that, um, you know, could help. I think when you break it down into smaller, smaller sections, um, you know, looking more at social media, it really is something that I think people can, you know, it's free to set up. You can, you know, trial and error, you can put posts out there, you can delete them, you can repost them. There are, you know, it's, it's quite a, you know, it's a low cost environment to, you know, to really try um, with some marketing and, you know, gaining confidence in talking and creating information in, in a different format that perhaps people aren't used to creating. Um, and talking to, you know, thinking about some of the clients that I've spoken to, um, often it's when people really throw themselves in and start, you know, creating, uh, creating content, um, creating graphics, infographics, or even just writing captions. Um, they actually start to enjoy it because it's that new communication skill of, you know, putting um, information into a short, sharp um, you know, caption or creatively putting it into a post that is eye-catching. And I think it's something that uh, people do enjoy when they get into. Um, but sorry, to answer the question, um, yes, it is something um, I think that um, people um, sometimes need a bit of guidance on. And there's absolutely no um, no shame in finding that guidance. You know, like you say, everyone has different skill sets and it's not something we're taught during our courses. So um I absolutely think it's something that people can search for if that's what they need. No, really interesting to hear your thoughts on that. So just moving on to the topic of social media, you did allude to uh, the fact earlier that social media is not the be all and end all when you're thinking about building a business. It's only one small aspect of that kind of overarching picture. But can we talk through some of the benefits for nutrition professionals having a presence on social media? What, what are your main reasons for a dietitian, for example, being on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, you know, social as much as I, I love it. And, um, you know, I think it can be a really integral core part of a, of a business plan or a marketing strategy. Um, you know, it isn't the be all and end all. However, um, I would say, um, you know, if you're thinking about, um, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, think about all the social media um, platforms you might be on. It might be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, TikTok, um, and there are many more. Um, those being the main ones, really, that I speak to people about. You know, if you're on those platforms, and scrolling through people's feeds and watching videos, you know, they're all opportunities for health professionals or nutritionists or anyone in business to be able to access a target customer. Um, you know, and these are all places, again, that we're able as professionals to spread evidence-based information. Um, you know, and, you know, to give a few, a few areas that I think are really beneficial. Firstly, I would say um, it's a great place for people to show personality outside of it being, um, you know, for the evidence-based information. I think it's a really great place. How you write, what you're putting out there, the videos you're creating, um, you know, the messages you're putting out there um, and the type of information that you're um, talking about really starts to build your personality, your brand persona, um, and really builds trust with potential clients. So that's the first area I'd say um, is a real benefit. 
Um, secondly, I would say social is a fantastic place to to network. Um, I have met so many amazing people on social. Um, I'm friends with with some of them. I've been for you know coffees and dinner with some. Like it's a really great place to um, to meet people um, who have the same interests as you, um, and you know to work collaboratively professionally together as well. It's it's really great. Um, and thirdly, I would say job opportunities. People, um, I think, often look at social as just a place where you're selling to people. And that can be quite uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, selling um, isn't necessarily something many people are that comfortable with. Um, but your Instagram or your Twitter or your Facebook, all of these areas are almost like job, you know, CVs in a way. They um they allow people to see what you're about, what you do, what your specialisms are. And, um, you know, work can come to you. You know, I've been incredibly lucky with my um, with my socials that many of my clients and I would say, yeah, most of my clients to date have all come through social, um, whether that be for social one-to-ones or anything like that, um, but also, uh, you know, other clients that I have, um, and, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be here with you today if I didn't have social media. So I think it really can show, um, you know, how much um, how great networking and, and the job opportunities that come with that and how social really plays a role. Definitely. And I completely agree the power that these platforms have in terms of networking, which we'll come on to later on. Um, but also when we're looking for um, new people to join our team at HRS or trying to find someone to speak at a webinar or come onto the podcast, for example, social is often the first place that you go. And I really liked what you said about it almost being like a kind of virtual CV um, because it is really a place where you can get, get across your credentials, your expertise but having said that, some people are reluctant to put too much of their um, kind of personal life and personality online for various reasons. So why is it important, do you feel, that people do get their brand out there? And how exactly does this help to build rapport with potential clients? Absolutely. As you say, I think there, um, you know, there are obviously everyone has a limit of how much they're comfortable sharing online. Um, and at the end of the day, um, especially when I'm talking to, to clients, we're talking about your professional Instagram. So, you know, there's only so much um, that you could or would want to share in line with that. Um, of course, what people do with their personal accounts or, you know, sharing holidays and, you know, family and all that sort of thing, um, you know, that's up to them. But in terms of a professional Instagram, as you say, there's only so much that people will be happy to share, um, which is absolutely fine. And I think that's, you know, that is one positive for social is that you can share as much or as little as you'd like. There's no um, obligation to talk about things that you don't want to talk about online. Um, so to go to your question about uh, personal brands. Um, so, Having a personal brand is, I think, quite an important element, especially for health professionals um, and for people who aren't um, necessarily aware of what that is. It's the process of establishing your public persona um, for your target audience. So it's really um, getting them to understand who you are, what you're about and what you can offer them. So I think having this brand, you know, your personal brand can be really helpful. Um, at the end of the day, people buy from people. If they like 
what you're talking about, how you're talking about it and the sorts of solutions that you offer, um, then that's a really fab place to start. And in my view, that's social doing its job. Um, that's where you've really hit hit the nail on social media. If people feel comfortable with what you're putting out there, um, then you know they're more likely to buy or to work with you. Um, you know, and showing personality and professionalism on a professional social media, of course, it's about building trust in that professional context. Um, so, of course, um, the type of things that you're talking about, the way you're talking about any social or personal things, um, you know, should all be viewed or not should, you know, can all be viewed through um, a professional lens. So, as we just said, um, you know, your social can be your CV, your kind of shop front, as it were. Um, so that's worth bearing in mind when thinking about building your uh, personal brand. Um, so your question about building rapport, um, you know, as we were saying, with it being a shop front, with video, with writing, with uh, images and all the different types of formats people can use on social, um, you know, it's really important that people um create what they want to create you know you don't have to lip sync to a reel to be on social you don't have to create an infographic to be a health professional on social media of course they're often things that we're seeing um, and yes it can help because it's a, a format that people expect sometimes to see on our on our sorts of uh, pages um, but you you build the content that you want to build that reflects what you're what you're about and what you're selling um, and you know that reflects your brand um, so I think really it's it's just about building trust, building your confidence and building confidence in your target audience that you can do the job um, that you're putting out there. That's a lot of uh, food for thought there, excuse the pun. But um, I think I think you've really kind of hit the nail on the head there. And um, certainly what you said about people buying from people really resonated with me. And funny enough, I was actually thinking back to a... Um, Instagram chef who was posting lots of recipes online. And after a while, you really feel like you've built a rapport with them and then you're encouraged to go on and buy their cookery book. So um, I think that speaks, you know, speaks wonders. Um, I also wanted to go back to what you were saying earlier about having a business plan in place and kind of a strategy behind whether you're doing newsletters or social media or websites. Uh, Cause I've, I've spoken to quite a few nutrition professionals who are quite new to the freelance world. And um, what they say a lot of the time is it's quite trial and error with social media they might try a reel not get a great response try something else um perhaps consider launching a course maybe consider consultations but it's kind of a lot of figuring it out as you go along so in your opinion how important is it having a strategy behind what you're doing in your business and how can someone go about doing that is it the case of um, writing a full-fledged marketing plan or a business plan or can it be a lot more simple than it sounds Big question. Um, yes, I think it can be a lot more simple than it sounds. Um, of course, the more detail you're able to put in, um, the more um, direction that you know um, for your your offering, and you know how you might get there. Of course, helps because you're able to um, really identify the the areas that either you need to work on that. Um, you know, areas that you need that are, you know, essential to building that, that path. Um, I do think though, that it can be, especially with social, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Um, you know, the main things that we'd look for, for social, as an example, would be um, finding who your target audience are and how you speak to them. 
um, what formats you're comfortable with creating, how much you can create and how much, um, you know, and when you want your, your posting schedule to be, um, and being consistent with, with all of those areas, really. I think, um, it is very trial and error, as you say. Um, I think there are areas that people try and either don't like or don't work or aren't resonating. Um, and of course, being flexible and being able to see that whilst it's happening um, and react to that is really key. Um, as you know, with social, there are always new trends, always new formats coming out. One minute we hear um, head of Instagram saying you need hashtags, then we're hearing three to five, then it's eight to 15, and then it's hashtags, you know, it's just constantly changing. And I think it's very much trial and error. It's doing what you can to be consistent with your tone of voice, with who you're speaking to and what you're offering. And I think for me, that's the real crux of it. Um, and of course you can flesh that out in so many ways and so many um so many options uh, to add things in there. But um, yeah, I would say that's the crux. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think going back to basics sometimes can be, you know, so important and often overlooked. And actually on that note, um, you've re reminded me, Amanda, that you've got a fantastic newsletter that comes out. I think it comes out monthly. Is that right? It's weekly now. Oh, it's weekly. Yeah, every Saturday. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about your newsletter because you share lots of free tips in there about kind of uh, updates on social media platforms, the best way to communicate with clients. So how can people sign up to your newsletter? Absolutely. So uh, the newsletter is called The Tea Break. Um, I'm a huge tea fan, so it felt, uh, felt right to call it The Tea Break. It goes out at 9.30 every Saturday morning. So hopefully that's in line with anyone who gets up on a Saturday, has a leisurely read of anything. Um, so yeah, it's a newsletter, um, weekly newsletter that has social um, social tips, social news and anything that I think a health professional should look out for on social. Um, and then the other half of the newsletter is looking at nutrition that's been in the news recently, um, kind of my views on that and um, anything to look out for. I also have, um, as you say, some top tips in there um, as well as um, CPD that's coming out for the next week or so. Um, so yeah, I hope I, you know, I have some really uh, lovely feedback on it. So I really hope it's helping. Um, I actually really enjoy creating it. So um, yeah, if you'd like to sign up, uh, please do. You can do so through my Instagram, through the link on my Instagram, you can sign up directly through there. Fabulous. And obviously we'll link to your Instagram and in show notes so people can check you out and sign up to the newsletter through that. Um, thanks for sharing that. So going back to what we were saying about networking and the power of social media, can you um, talk to us a bit more about your experiences of using it for networking and perhaps give us some practical examples of how best to utilize various platforms for networking? Sure. Um, yeah, as you say, um, networking on social has played a huge part in growing my professional, um, not team, but like a nutrition like group I suppose um, especially in lockdown of course when there were no face-to-face uh, -face events you know no conferences to meet people at um, I really tried to use that time to make contacts um, so the way I did this um, I'll start with Instagram so I think that's the main one that people will probably want to hear about so I was writing comments um, on people's posts that, you know, either resonated with me or I had an interest in. So it was only ever 
a genuine value add or um, a question or anything like that, um, I would sometimes DM people if I, you know, wanted to spark up a conversation or something about something they'd spoken about. Um, I sometimes reply to people's stories. Um, this is quite a nice way um, to interact with people and to start building that, um, you know, that relationship. Um, you know, as well as just supporting other health professionals, you know, liking their posts, sharing them on, um, showing them on your stories um, or forwarding them to people who it would be relevant for. Um, that's something I really, really love about the health um, health and nutrition uh, community online is that people are so, so supportive and want to help each other. And um, it's such a great way of doing that on social. Um, so they're the main things on Instagram. Um, on Twitter, the best ways I would say is you can now, you know, you can DM people, you know, do the usual replying to comments or retweeting. Um, I think retweeting tends to be the easiest way um, to, you know, to get um, kind of the attention, if you like, of the person that you're retweeting. So you can add a comment, you can link to an article or to a podcast or something that they've been talking about. Um, and yeah, that's a really great way on Twitter. Um, with LinkedIn, I would say, you know, that's a very professional, more professional based, um, platform. Um, the main way to communicate and to network on there would be really to send people, um, you know, a DM as well, you know, get into their messages. Um, if you're adding someone, it gives you the option to, you know, write a short personalized message there. And that's a really great way to, um, to kind of introduce yourself or to say, you know, I heard you talk at X. Um, I'd love to speak to you about why can we, you know, can we, um, can we uh, link up on there, <laughs> link up on LinkedIn. Um, so they're the main ways. I mean, people, I think, can almost overthink the networking element of it. And I think just being able to be quite natural, um, if something sparks your interest, tell, you know, tell the person if, if you have something to add, then of course do. Um, and just supporting, supporting others in what they're doing online um, can really help. Some really great tips there, Amanda. Thank you. Um, and I definitely second what you say about using platforms like LinkedIn for networking. And um, I just wanted to make the distinction. Are you talking about networking with other nutrition professionals? Are you talking about people reaching out to potential members of the public or patients that they want to work with? Or are we talking about networking brands? Or is it in fact all three that you're referring to? So I would say when I was talking through that list, I was thinking more about um, other nutrition professionals, but really, um, you know, you can do those, any of those, you know, tactics, if you like, I don't really like the word tactics, but you can use, you know, those, um, those areas um, with uh, other brands or other companies. Um, I would probably say taking a slightly different tact if it was your a client you were looking at, especially if it's, you know, for one-to-ones or any sort of one-on-one um, -on -one session like that. I think being a bit more, I won't say professional, but being a bit more um, structured in your, you know, in your approach, a DM with a, you know, much more formal or, you know, much more structured uh, text would work. Um, 
But, you know, as I say, as you're building your profile on, on social media, people will follow you, people will DM you if they're interested. Um, you can run polls, you can run loads of things that give you the gateway to um, striking up a conversation with people. And, you know, these are all things that um, I chat to people through in our in the power hours that we run. Brilliant. And actually, just to add to that, um, as another example, I recently went to a, a local conference and networking event and actually came away and added some of the people that I met on LinkedIn, for example, messaged them. And then a few of those conversations led to us meeting for coffee, like you said. And I think we often forget how, um, you know, we, we're making connections with people all the time. And like you said, it might just be commenting or liking someone's post, but just kind of continuously putting yourself out there and keeping your, yourself on their radar. Um, is it worth health professionals embracing some of these more, shall we say, innovative platforms on socials like TikTok and also like Instagram Reels, for example. I know that these platforms fill some people with a feeling of dread, perhaps because they're not on them already or they're not familiar with them. So should we be investing our time in these? What's your thoughts on that? In short, I think the answer would probably be yes. And the reason I would say that is that, you know, video uh, vi video formats are growing as we've seen with the rise of TikTok and its popularity in the last few years. Um, the fact that Reels um, is now something that you know came about on Instagram because of TikTok. You know, I won't say absolutely because of that, but it's definitely a very similar format. Um, and yeah, video format is really something that isn't going to go away anytime soon. However, as I did say earlier you only need to do what you're comfortable with on social media. You don't have to use certain formats. You don't have to, you know, dance around and, you know, lip sync to things if that's not your style. It's definitely not something that I do regularly. Um, but if it's something that you enjoy doing or that um, you find is working to get you new clients and to get new eyes on your business, then it's definitely something to consider. Um, at the end of the day, you know, these are all, marketing tools for your business um so if something works to get you more clients then it's you know why not do do some more of it especially if it's um free and easy to create and upload um yeah it's more of a test you know trial and error test it out see if you like it and um something that you can then build into your you know strategy going forward Definitely. And I think also not comparing yourself to other people on socials can be quite difficult. Um, as you met, yeah. Do you find that with yourself and other people that you work with? Yeah, of course. I think it's it's inevitable, isn't it, in, in any industry you're comparing, um, you know, your chapter one of someone's, you know, chapter 30. And it's really difficult to um, to stop yourself doing that sometimes. Um but everyone starts from somewhere. Everyone starts from 50 views, 500 views to, you know, 50,000 views. Um, and videos, as I say, is something that, you know, is, isn't going away anytime soon on these platforms. Um, so if it's an area you're able to get familiar with um, and comfortable with, then I think it is a really great way to getting, um, getting more reach, getting new clients onto your page, and it has really worked for, you know, some pages on Instagram, especially grow really, really quickly. Um, but as I say, it's not the only way to do it. And, you know, follower numbers isn't the only way of measuring success. So, um, yeah, there's lots of things to think about there. 
Absolutely. And um, I wanted to ask you, actually, what does realistic growth look like on social media? Should we be aspiring towards a certain number of followers or um, should we be looking at engagement? How would you say that people should be measuring their success and performance on these platforms? Yeah, as you say, there are so many ways of looking at, um, you know, what growth looks like on a social media platform. Um, You know, talking more about Instagram here, um, people tend to look at follower numbers first. And I'm sure you've heard it be explained as more of a vanity, you know, vanity metric, same with likes. Um, Because, you know, your follower number um, isn't necessarily giving you an indication of how well that business is doing. Um, You can still make money and you can still network and get good clients off a smaller following, say less than, well, less than a thousand, less than 5,000. You know, I'm, I'm going freelance now and I've, you know, I've got about 1500, nearly 2000 people on my account. I haven't got half a million. Um, So I think there is that um, element of, people understanding that you don't have to have a giant following to have a really successful business. Um, However, if there are, you know, certain avenues um, that you want to pursue, perhaps it's more influencer marketing style or affiliate marketing or things like this within your business, then of course, having a higher following can help with that. Um, But from a health professional perspective, um, you know, gaining clients, um, as I say, you don't have to have a huge following. So it doesn't necessarily, um, relate to your following, uh, your follower number. Um, often I talk to clients about, um, engagement. Um, and so what does that mean on social? It's looking at how many people, um, you know, comment and like, and kind of the more holistic view, um, on your social. So you look at your engagement rate by, um, by adding up your likes and comments and dividing by your followers. Um, So what you're able to do then is to be able to ensure that your posts are being seen, being interacted with. It's more about building that community, which is what most people are trying to do on social. Um, If you have, you know, a thousand people following you or interacting with your posts who are really engaged, that's much more effective than having you know, 10,000 people who don't really care. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's all about, as we were saying earlier, what you're trying to achieve in your business at that time, what you're using social for um, and how you're able to really, um, you know, you, you know, what you're using on your social to track as success. I was going to ask you this like million dollar question of how do you eventually monetize your social platforms? Let's say you've built quite a good following. You've got good engagement. I know we said earlier that social isn't the bee's knees. There's lots of other parts to the kind of overarching picture. Um, But I, for example, have seen uh, professionals on social media who might bring out a cookbook or bring out a nutrition book once they've got a certain following, or they then get represented by an agent and then they get kind of big high profile clients coming through the agent. So is that the route that everyone needs to take to monetize it and become successful? Or are there other smaller ways that you can perhaps go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, you know, the, when you get to a stage in your social media journey or career when you're able to publish and write a book and have those kind of um, those things happen. Um, You know, they may not have necessarily happened because of the social media. You know, again, social is just one avenue of of marketing and, you know, showing and selling. Um, So 
other ways that you know you're able to monetize your social media platform um as we've spoken about if you're providing one-to-ones or um you know in my case power hours you can do that directly through your social so you have the option in your bio as i'm sure you're aware of having um, a website or a link out to a booking platform or to your website or anything like that. Um, so that's, you know, direct sales through there is a, you know, really easy, great way of using your social. Um, in the same vein, you can, you can link out to pages on your, if you have a course or if you have a new blog or any of these sorts of things, it's all, you know, advertising at that point, what you want people to be interested in. Um, as I just mentioned, you can use social to drive traffic to your website. It's a really great way of doing that. Um, and you're able to have things like sponsored posts, especially on Instagram and uh, Facebook and pages like that. You can have sponsored posts, whether that be for a product or a, um, you know, a service or anything like that. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier, once you have um, a slightly bigger following, although obviously you can do it with a smaller following if you have the right brands behind you, um, you can advertise affiliate products. So, you know, again, this tends to be more profitable because you have, uh, you're being paid perhaps a smaller, uh, smaller percentage per sale. Um, but, you know, it's when you sell a product for a larger brand and gain commission on it. So it's more of a numbers game in that way. Um, but it's something that people can look into, especially if they're, um, you know, wanting to promote a certain product or, or something like that. Yeah, very interesting. Lots of options for people to explore, but just as valuable to be on socials, even if you haven't directly got a a product necessarily to sell. Um, How reliant should we become on socials? Because I'm aware that, you know, socials can, you know, get hacked or platforms can come down or it could all get taken away tomorrow, for example. So how, what would your advice be to people out there? Should they kind of focus all their efforts on socials or have um, kind of their toes in lots of different pools of water as such? Absolutely. As you say, um, social isn't the only way to get your business um, out there. Um, You know, there's other ways to drive traffic to your website. There's other ways to um, get in front of people. Um, It's absolutely a great place to be. Um, And as you say, you don't own your social media. It can get hacked. Someone could, you know, Facebook can... I was going to say go bust tomorrow, but that's unlikely to happen. Um, You know, our Instagrams could all get deleted and then some people would be very um, unable to, you know, contact their target audience. Um, That's why being able to work within more of a holistic business or marketing plan, you know, having an email subscription base, being able to um, have traffic to your website through other sources. You know, these are all areas to look at um, to make sure that you're not entirely reliant on social. Um, as I say, it's a fantastic way of driving people to websites, to selling, to showing, um, you know, personal brand and persona and, and all of those things. Um, but it's not necessarily the be all and end all. However, it is a really great tool to be, you know, to be using at the moment. Yeah, interesting. Don't put all your eggs in one basket then. So um, on that note, the social audits that you provide through Nutrition Social, can you explain a bit more about what these are and why you feel they're important for health professionals that are on social media? 
Absolutely. So the uh, social audits that we do at Nutrition Social um, really give you a snapshot of what your uh, social media look like at that time. Um, so what's working there and then? What can we see immediately that could be tweaked, could be changed, could be um, updated? Um, what what features that we see that aren't being used um, to their full potential? Um, you know, with some hint, like some tips about how people can you know improve those areas um, and really get in front of their target audience. So these are um, kind of shorter documents um, that give people, you know, advice, um, a view with, you know, professionals with, um, you know, fresh eyes to come to their page um, and to give some um, some advice on how they can, you know, reach the goals that they're they're wanting to get to. Brilliant. And we're, we're going to link to your website in the show notes. Is that the best way for people to get in touch with you, Amanda? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, either through the website is where you can book um, or if anyone has any questions on these, then um, of course, drop me a DM um, on Instagram. It's probably the the quickest way to get hold of me. (laughs) Brilliant. And I just wanted to ask you, what does what do you think the future holds for social media? Um, Where are we going to head in the next few years, do you think? Oh, wow. Um, Okay, so the future for social media I see social media playing a part in marketing and our lives for, you know, quite a long time to come. I don't think they're going anywhere. And I I really don't think it's going to, you know, that area is going to change too much. Um, However, um, the importance of video has played in, in the space over the last couple of years is becoming really evident. And I don't necessarily think it's going to change in, you know, in the way that the offering looks like I still think we'll have Instagram. I still think Twitter, I still think all the key players will be here. Um, I think what those platforms focus on will shift and change over the next few years. You know, we're seeing video now, um, you know, maybe five years ago, the focus was more on, you know, picture perfect images. Whereas now, you know, what people are looking for and how they consume um, information and how they're consuming um media generally is changing. I do think perhaps um, there is space for um, more specific social media platforms to be created. Um, You know, as we've spoken about being on Instagram, obviously you're talking to the masses, but we're trying to target our um, information to a certain group of people. I see perhaps in the future um, some platforms created whereby um, those people are already tapped into. So maybe there is more of a specific health app, social media, or, you know, maybe there's one more specifically for, I don't know, uh, musicians. Um, perhaps that's an area um, that might happen, but um, who knows? I think it just depends on where these huge companies decide to, you know, to, pivot if you like over the next few years gosh so many things could happen in the social media space but yeah they're not going anywhere that's all I think that's my uh, <laughs> that's my roundup from that question not going anywhere anytime soon <laughs> well that's that's reassuring to hear <laughs> um so just coming to an end uh, of this episode I wanted to ask if you've got any top tips for health professionals wanting to gain visibility and confidence online what we what would your top tips be Absolutely. So in terms of confidence, I would say um, 
based on you know the things we discussed today um get comfortable on video if you can um things like stories on your instagram reels live videos being able to have those sorts of interactions can really fast forward the um, social persona, getting more reach, getting more people um, on your profile, being able to collaborate with people um, in a much more kind of easy way. Um, I would say confidence wise, get practicing with that. Um, I mean, the way I started and the way I speak to clients who are very um reluctant or shy to go on um, camera would be to record yourself on your phone first. So in your own video, don't do it on a social app first, record yourself for 30 seconds talking about something um, that you're passionate about, or you're going to talk on social about, and then watch yourself back. Yes, it feels cringy and it doesn't feel comfortable, but it will really, really help with that process. And remember, you can record a story and delete it if you want to. You don't have to post it. So um, there is that level of, um, you know, you feeling comfortable with it first. Um, Another tip I would say is if you're thinking about trying to use social um, to really gain some visibility online, then start today. Post something today and, and keep, you know, keep creating, keep posting. Try and work out what it is. Um, you're wanting to talk about what your target audience, what their problems are um, and how you can come up with a solution for those and answer those questions online. Um, People like to be entertained online. People like to be educated online and people like to um, network online as well. So if you can hit, you know, build a community. And when I say networking in this context, I mean like community building. So in those, you know, if you can hit those three areas, um, within your page. And I think you're going to be doing something right. Um, you know, and, and, and as a little aside, uh, you know, creating content doesn't necessarily have to be hugely time consuming. Um, there are ways of making it a lot quicker, taking the pressure off. Um, but I would say start today, start creating, and you'll learn from any mistakes or um, what your audience are loving. Um, and you can grow it from there. That's very inspiring. Thank you for sharing your top tips. I'm sure that many of our people listening will be encouraged to continue to put lots of energy into their social platforms. What would be your top takeaway tip for people to take away from your episode today, Amanda? Top takeaways. Um, I would say I would like people to see the value in how social can play a role in your company's visibility and your ability to target clients. Um, I think it can play a central role in networking um, and growing your online business. Um, As I mentioned, you know, the amount of uh, contacts and business and opportunities I've had through social, I really want to help people, you know, um, have have even, you know, even more opportunities through social than they can get without. and I'd really hope, uh, as you as really kind that you just said, I really hope that this podcast has, you know, given listeners some um, inspiration and confidence that um, social can age their business. And it's not necessarily as big of a scary world in social that perhaps they might perceive it to be. Um, and that I'm I'm here to help if anyone needs any more help or advice or tips, then, you know, of course, please do send me any questions, um, book in for a power hour or send me a DM and um, I'd love to love to help where I can. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Amanda, for your, your time today and for sharing all those really valuable tips with us. 
A huge thank you to New Ultra as well for making this podcast possible. As I often say, if you enjoy listening to the Dietitian Cafe podcast, please do consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more health professionals. You can follow New Ultra on social media at New Ultra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest on medical nutrition. Thank you very much for listening and our next episode will be out soon. Thank you.